It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And with that, we welcome in our Hall of Famer. It is Mary Kay Cabot of Cleveland.com. How are you doing today, Mary Kay? I'm doing great, guys. How are you doing? Great. Mary Kay, are they getting a quarterback? Are they making a move? You know, we'll have to see about that. I think they should be looking around. I think they should be scouring other teams' rosters. I think they should be looking on the street. I think they should find a veteran quarterback to come in here uh, because you don't really know what's going on with Deshaun's shoulder and how it's going to hold up for the rest of the season or in the playoffs or anything else. So I think they should have someone else. I mean, if you look at the Colts, look what's going on with the Colts right now. They have one of the best backups in the NFL in Gardner Minshew. And uh, that's the reason they were almost able to beat the Browns the other day. So uh, I definitely would be out there scouring everything I possibly could and, and finding someone to bring in. Mary Kay, is Derek going on? Do you think they should put him on IR for four weeks? Or do you think that he's healthy enough or he should continue to stay day to day and they should go into every game just having P.J. Walker ready? Well, that's what, you know, we don't know. He underwent an MRI and other exams on the shoulder yesterday. And so much of this is contingent upon what those exams showed. If he has further damage in the shoulder, if those micro tears turn into something a little larger, uh, then you really need to be thinking about what you're going to be doing here. So we just don't know yet. Uh, Nothing has kind of leaked out. I've been trying everything that I possibly can to find out what, you know, what's going on there in the shoulder. We might not know anything until tomorrow when we get out there and we find out is Deshaun talking to us is Deshaun going to be practicing so you know here we are back to square one or maybe even you know before square one uh, in not knowing what is exactly going on with him but I never thought he should have played against the Colts I thought it was too soon to get him out there based on what I had seen and heard and um, it's unfortunate that they're in this situation right now Mary Kay this seems like the Browns are really being stupid here I I gotta be honest I mean uh, and I hate when people say I got to be honest, and I just said it because it's really an annoying thing to say. Because why would I be, be anything but honest? They have the situation's been botched. They've not been on the same page the entire time. There's been mixed messages at least four or five times between Stefanski and Watson or Barry and Watson. We can't play this game. They played this. I know it's a totally different injury, but they played the same stupid game with Baker, and it blew up in their face. And now they're playing the same game with Watson. He's clearly not ready to play. The idea that he's going to play in Seattle is stupid. It makes no sense. And you can't keep going with P.J. Walker. It's unsustainable to keep winning games with P.J. Walker. Now, ultimately, there's no quarterback they can get, I think, that can they're going to wheel win a Super Bowl with. But Jacoby Brissett or Andy Dalton, they can keep them afloat for the rest of the regular season, <coughs> give them a chance if the defense plays great, for Watson maybe to come back in December. Maybe. I don't know. But they've got to do something. They cannot stick with P.J. Walker. If First of all, what do you think? Am I being unfair in essentially crucifying the Browns and how they've handled this situation as a whole? Well, it's been a tricky situation. It's hard, uh, you know, to sort of get a handle on what's going on with with this rotator cup. And sometimes there are other entities involved. So just in the same way that Baker had sort of an entourage 
around him. You know, you've got Deshaun Watson. He's got his own medical team. He's got his own camp of people uh, that are, you know, helping him out and advising him on things. So, you know, that's sometimes where a disconnect comes in, where you'll have some uh, messaging coming out of one place and different messaging coming out of another place. And so, you know, I think we have to keep our eyes peeled for some of that. But um, certainly it's been very, very challenging to figure out. <laughs> Uh, you know, what's going on here and what the right thing is to do. But I do agree with you 100% that they need better quarterback play from their backup. And you don't know, you cannot say with any conviction that Deshaun Watson is going to make it through the next how many ever games. You just don't know. I mean, they might need a backup quarterback to come in and start four games for them or five games for them. And it, that can't be PJ Walker right now. Right. You need much better quarterback play. Uh, here's the thing, though. Uh, what they have done all all along since Deshaun showed up on the doorstep is they've tried to find a quarterback who so somewhat matches his skill set. So they're looking for a dual threat quarterback. You don't really want to reinvent the wheel here. Uh, so if they can find someone uh, that is sort of similar to him, you know, that's what they would be looking for because they've got so many things. That. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I got a huge problem with that. No, I'm a few boys. There's a lot of things in this offense that are predicated upon that style of football. So I think that that would be one thing they would be looking for. So did, man, you 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 didn't have so you didn't drop so many gems. I'm trying to figure out. Like yeah. I'm like, okay, well, what do I want to say? So hold on, let me get this right. You saying that he had an MRI? Like he had an MRI like this week? Like yesterday. in the last couple a days? One? Yesterday. A new one. Yesterday, yes. Wow. Okay. okay. Was that the, well? That's what you would normally do after you have it take another blow to the shoulder like that. You've right. got to get that imaging done and see what's going on in the shoulder. And I'm sure it was an MRI. It might have been something else too. I mean, Anthony Richardson ended up undergoing like a CT scan and some different things. So there is imaging going on. They're trying to find out and pin down what exactly is going on in that. So, shoulder. and the follow-up question is. Um, do you believe that's why he said when they said, are you going to play on against Seattle? And he said, I'm not sure. And then when they asked Kevin Stefanski and he said, yes, he's a starting quarterback. Okay. Well, first of all, um, Kevin Stefanski's first answer was yes, he's our starter and he will start in Seattle. That was the first thing that he said. And basically he was trying to establish that I didn't just bench Deshaun for no reason. He's still our starter. He's still our leader. He's, he's still our guy. He came back later in that same interview and he had to qualify that by saying, as long as he's cleared, he's our starter on Wednesday. So he, he kind of had to backtrack a tiny bit and say, as long as he's cleared medically. Now, of course, that means that they believe he will be cleared medically, at least at that time. Uh, but even Kevin acknowledged that was a, a pretty hard blow that he not only took to the shoulder, but then he took a hard fall onto the shoulder. So they have to see what's going on in there. They have to see what the pain level is. They have to see, uh, you know, what he feels comfortable doing before they make any determinations. But so that's why Deshaun said he's not sure because he knew he was going to have to undergo some exams when he got home. Mary Kay, I got a huge beef <laughs> with Kevin, and I have been a starch defender. Starch even makes sense. Staunch. 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 Hell am I coming up with starch? I have been a staunch <laughs> defender of Kevin Stefanski. And I think overall he's done a very good job as head coach. But if he cannot adjust an offense, the, the Baltimore Ravens had Joe Flacco as their starter. And in the middle of the season changed to Lamar Jackson. There can be no bigger difference in styles 
than the ultimate statue and the ultimate athlete playing quarterback. If they can't, if he couldn't adjust to Andy Dalton being the quarterback or Jacoby Brissett, who was here last year, and he and he's not like Watson, he doesn't run much. I, I, that's ridiculous to me. If the coach can't adjust in season, well, I'm not saying that he can't. I'm just yeah. saying that that's what they have done to this point. Is they have found other that are similar to Deshaun. And that's why you have Josh Dobbs in here. That's why you had Kellen Mond in here. That's why you have DTR here. That's why you have PJ Walker here. That's right. So if you follow the trends of what they've done, that's what they've been looking for. But of course, you know, things change as you move along. And if they feel like they need someone else, then, you know, they might have to broaden their scope a little bit and, you know, not stay so, you know, stuck to that uh, paradigm of needing that exact sort of match because yeah I mean Jacoby Brissett could come in here and run this offense he knows the players he knows the terminology it's sort of similar to uh, Kareem Hunt when they you know when they went in uh, and and had to get a, a running back bringing in Kareem was the right thing to do because you know you skip over a lot of those steps of trying to figure out you know how do you find uh, the locker room and how do you find the weight room and uh, you know it certainly would make sense to to bring in a Jacoby Brissett uh, for this job. I have no idea if they have any plans to do that. I have no idea if Washington would be up for that, but it's certainly something to consider. Mary Kay, I think the offensive line play has been better the past few weeks. What do you credit that to? Ever since, I feel like ever since they came off the bye week, you know, they've been pretty solid. Not saying that they're the greatest, but they've been very solid. I haven't really noticed a ton of sacks, and they've been opening up lanes for these running backs. What is that a credit to? Well, first of all, you've got uh, Dewan Jones, who's who's getting better each week, um, you know, both against the pass and, and in his run blocking. So that's one thing. And then, uh, as you guys, I'm sure, have noticed, Jed Wills has played yep. uh, much better the yes, past couple of yep. And I, I think True. that's helped a lot. I really think that's helped a lot. I think he turned the corner a little bit against the 49ers, and I thought he had a nice game uh, in this game as well. So, so that's helping. And... Um, you know, it's just kind of been coming together a little bit. Now, of course, as you guys know, uh, Jerome Ford has a high ankle sprain and he, you know, he might not be able to play for a couple of weeks. So that is <laughs> not going to help matter. Uh, they're going to really have to rely on Kareem. They're going to have to rely on Pierre Strong and maybe even bring in another running back. Man, Mary, it seems like we talk about bringing in a lot of people. Um, <laughs> but that's the great, you know, the good part, part about it is you could be two and four talking about bringing in people, but you're four and two. Um, do you believe that four and two record warrants them going out and, and trying to bolster this team as much as possible for a good playoff run? Um, I look at the receiving. You, you talked about uh, running back, um, quarterback. You know, it just seems like the Browns haven't traditionally made a lot of moves at the trade deadline. Um, do you think this year is a year that you'll see them, them trying to push and make that move? You know, I don't think they're clamoring for anything right now. I, you know, unless they think Jerome is going to be out for a lengthy period of time, which it, at the outset, that's not what I'm hearing. Um, but, you know, that's one area they could look at. Like I said before, I think they should be looking at uh, the quarterback. I don't know if they feel that way or not, but it makes a whole lot of sense. Uh, and then I would be looking for another wide receiver. And again, I don't necessarily think they're clamoring for those positions. I think more so than anything, they might be. Uh, you know, looking to move a couple of guys and get some draft picks in return for some positions where they have a little bit of excess. Um, but, you know, this is when teams do 
add those final pieces to the puzzle if they think they can go the distance. And I think this is a Browns team that has demonstrated that if it gets better quarterback play, it has what it takes to go the distance. There's no reason why the Browns can't win a Super Bowl this year. There's no reason as long as they get better quarterback play. They have to have that. Uh, so, you know, I, I would be doing whatever I possibly could uh, to bolster some of those positions and, uh, you know, bring in somebody that can just put you over the top. You know, when you look at wide receivers and running backs, you look at uh, Denver as Jerry Judy. Denver also has Samaje P. Ryan, who might be a nice third down back for the Browns. Uh, Arizona with Marquise Brown could be an interesting speed receiver. I think even Jacksonville with our old buddy Dearness Johnson, he's mm -hmm. their third running back there in Jacksonville. I think those are all guys that could potentially, none of those are, you know, superstars or anything. I, you know, but those are guys who all could help the team. Do those, some of those names make sense? Yeah, some of those names do make sense. Um, you know, I've advocated for for Jerry Judy. I, th I think he'd be somebody that would be worth going out and getting. He's a young guy. Um, you know, they've, they've been interested in him before. So he's somebody that I would definitely be taking a look at. Um, and as you mentioned, Marquise Brown and, you know, any of those guys, they need more at the wide receiver position, in, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. And part of it is because they haven't had, had the quarterback play. So it's a little hard to judge the wide receivers. Yeah. Um, but you can't have too many weapons. You just can't. Even if Deshaun you know, comes back perfectly healthy, it certainly can't hurt to give him another really good wide receiver, a potential 1,000-yard receiver. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Yeah, no doubt. That would make a big difference. Will DPJ be on this team the past the trade deadline? He finally made a, a really good play at the end of that game. Do you think that he's a name that they're going to look to trade? to get? I mean, what are they going to get for him? I don't know. They said She said that they were looking for draft picks. So. Are they going to get a sixth-round pick or a seventh-round pick? You'd be surprised. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Kevin I Byer just got traded. He's an all-pro. He got just traded for nothing for Phil to Philadelphia yesterday. Yeah, I don't necessarily see something like that happening. I think it would probably be more so, you know, someone someone else that, you know, that you're not maybe seeing getting a lot of playing time uh, at a certain position where they have a surplus of, of players. So I don't see it being DPJ. Uh, you know, he's also in the last year of his contract and people don't really, you know, rent someone like that just for the next 10 games or whatever. So um, not really necessarily feeling that one. Um, but... <clears throat> Like I said, I do think that uh, that it would help Deshaun to have at least one more really good weapon. And again, I don't have the sense that they're clamoring to do that, uh, but I think it's something that they definitely should do. Do you know why Cedric Tillman was a uh, scratch last week? Why he did? Why he was inactive? Well, when you know when someone's a a scratch like that, they're just not going to be able to find their way onto the field on special teams or or anything else. And it just comes down to really a numbers game. So uh, he'll, he'll get back out there again soon. 
but I think this was just a matter of, um, you know, he just got caught up a little bit in the numbers game. And if you're not going to be returning kicks and doing some of those kinds of things, uh, you're not going to be able to get that spot on game day. Mary Kay, three years in a row, they've drafted a wide receiver in the third round. Anthony Schwartz was a bust. He's already gone. David Bell in a year and change has had virtually no impact. And Cedric Tillman hasn't played at all to this point. It's too early, but right now, I mean, at the moment, all three look like terrible misses. What? What is? Why do they have no ability <clears throat> to judge wide receivers? Because they've well, done a terrible job with wide receivers. You know, once again, I think, I think we have to reserve judgment a little bit on the wide receivers until until you see better quarterback play. This whole entire season, you just have not seen any of the receivers do much of anything. <laughs> There has not been a uh, good quarterback play. So, I, you know, that has a whole, whole lot to do with it. And, um, you know, uh, once again, you're looking at um, only one touchdown pass to yeah. a wide receiver this whole entire season. And that, you know, that's completely unacceptable. Yeah. I mean, all the, all the guys that they have on this team, and you've got – you know, through six games, one touchdown pass to a wide receiver. And that has to do with the quarterback play. DTR played a game. Uh, P.J. Walker now has has played a couple of games. Uh, Deshaun Watson hasn't been himself. So, you know, it's amazing that Amari Cooper has had the success that he has. But some of these other guys, I think, have suffered from the quarterback situation. And so we need to just give that a little breathing room to see if they can come up off the mat. And while I agree with that, the bottom line, though, has been that David Bell and last year and again so far this year to some degree, and certainly Cedric Tillman this year, they've not even getting on the field. So I don't know that they get a full pass. Yeah, I'll give Elijah Moore and DPJ somewhat of a pass for the bad quarterback play because they've been on the field. But these guys barely are ever on the field. Cedric Tillman's not on the field at all. So they can't even beat some of these other guys out for reps. That's concerning. Yeah, you, I, well, we'll have to see. I mean, some, yeah. Sometimes it takes rookies a little bit of time, and especially when you're talking about third-round rookies. There's a reason why they weren't first-rounders. You can take a first-round rookie, and you can plug them in to the lineup. <laughs> off they go. But if a guy's dropping to the third round, you know, the chances of a third-rounder making it in the NFL are – are very slim. I can't remember what it is. It's something very, very small. Uh, it might even be like 15%. Uh, so, you know, when you're talking about a third rounder, you're not talking about an elite talent. You're talking about somebody who you're taking a chance on and hoping that they make it. So, you know, we'll have to see how it goes. Um, rookies, you know, sometimes it takes a little while for the lights to come on. So I think it's early to write off said. Um, David certainly is going to have to step up. Um, so I think the jury is still out is what I'm saying. All right, Mary Kay, thank you very much. Uh, we'll continue to wait and see what kind of messaging comes from Berea on the Deshaun Watson injury. Um, you know, hopefully they get this thing on the same page because right now, just on the messaging alone, they get a failing grade and, um, it's, it just seems like there's too much disarray around. I know it's complicated to, you know, to diagnose this injury, but man, they've been way off point. <laughs> they've been all over the map, and yeah. it's really, I think more than anything, it's starting to erode the confidence of the fan base of just what the hell's going on over there and who's running this thing. Uh, and I get well, that there's, you know, he's got a camp too that wants to take a look at it, but, you know, just get on the same page. 
let everybody know where they are and move on one way or another. Yeah, unfortunately for the Browns and for their fans, this almost doesn't feel like just a regular four and two. It feels like a four and two with an asterisk. And it would be nice for Browns fans not to have to feel that way. So hopefully they can get it together this week. That's well said. Before we let you go, I want to circle back on one thing that you touched on. You made it seem like there's a Watson camp. Uh, What do you know about what his people are saying and how it might be in conflict with what the Browns are saying? What, what, What more do you know about that? Well, I don't know that it's in conflict. Uh, I just know that, uh, you know, that just like most quarterbacks do uh, or most star players do, they have some of their own medical people. They've got their own sort of entourage. So, you know, he might be he might be getting, uh, you know, another second opinion. He did that over the bye week uh, with his docs back in Houston. So, you know, maybe he, he wants his own doctor to look at the scans. It doesn't mean that nobody's on the same page. It just means that there are more eyes involved. There are more voices involved. And you do have to make sure that everyone gets on the same page. So I think that's where sometimes, uh, you know, you get a little bit of the mixed messaging about, you know, just, you know, what's going on and should he play or shouldn't he play? Um, but I think for the most part, they're trying, they're trying to send, uh, you know, the same message, the same voice from everyone, but it can be a little tricky. Okay. Mary Kay, thank you very much. Uh, I'm sure you'll be on this story yeah. and we'll continue to read you uh, with interest as to where they go from here. Thanks, Mary we'll Kay. See you next week. Thanks, Mary Kay. Thanks, guys. By the way, I was curious because Mary Kay said, well, third round wide receivers, you know, how do they do? So I, I, I'm just kind of looking at it. So last year, she's right. In 2022, including David Bell, there were four wide receivers drafted in the third round. All four have been non-factors. Yeah. Honestly, I've never even heard of the other three guys. The only reason I've heard of David Bell is because he's on the Browns. No if one he, outside of Cleveland. He, right. If he had been David on any Bell. other team, I wouldn't know right. who he was. The three's name. I can't even remember offhand. I'll get back to it. Okay. But this year in the third round, <laughs> the first wide receiver. Now, two, the first two guys were drafted before. Cedric Tillman, to be fair. Yeah. But the first one is Tank Dell, who was missed last week, but he's played really well for Houston. He's been so a factor. <laughs> the second wide receiver, Jalen Hyatt, all of a sudden starting to become a factor on another team with terrible quarterback I play. I love right. that guy coming out. <laughs> they, the th- he dra- they drafted him right before the Browns did. The third wide receiver taken in that draft, or, or in, the wide, in that round, was Cedric Tillman. Uh, after Cedric Tillman, the next wide receiver in the third round this year, Josh Downs. We just wow. saw a big game for Indianapolis. Yeah. And then the next wide receiver taken in the third round this year, uh, Michael Wilson, who was drafted by the Cardinals. Again, another team with no pass. Yeah, what's he done? I haven't followed him. He's had one or two good games. Has he? I don't know. He's made more of an impact in Central. And he has a terrible quarterback situation, well, too. Well, let and me both, ask- if you go to the year before, I'm just going back to 2021 real quick. Yeah, some, what about that year? Some third-round receivers include Nico Collins in Houston, who's been very good. Very but good. in fairness, Nico didn't really break out till this year. I'm just naming guys who have been good. Josh yes. Palmer of the Chargers. Got a better also also this year. This year and that also, guy. Yeah. And I'll go back to 2020 just for one more comparison sake here. And I'm just rolling through. You had uh, a nobody and nobody. Devin Duvernay of uh, He's Baltimore. Done nothing. He's not. Yeah, so, so no one. So third-round receivers, very, very hit or miss. Yeah, that yeah that's fair. But, some, but the others this year, except for there was one other wide receiver drafted, Trey Tucker for the Raiders. He hasn't what, anything. But. What, was uh, Elijah Moore traded to the Browns before or after the draft? Before, before, okay, drafting. well then that would impact why they wouldn't get a guy like Josh Downs because they both play the slot. The Browns just can't. The Browns Fair just enough. don't. They do, can't hit at that position. They don't. I'm develop. not saying they should have taken Josh Downs necessarily. Just that. No, I'm just. He's had an impact as a third round. Yeah, no, hold on, hold on. Jordan Addison was a late first round pick. It's like and, 25th. Yeah, somewhere in there. I think he yeah. might have been a little higher. But to me, it really is 
an interesting position. Because yes, while while recent third round picks haven't stuck, we've seen undrafted free agents come in and make a big splash Ooh, as wide receivers. What was Puka? Puka. What is it? Well, and he was interesting Fifth too. He he was he transferred once. He was at BYU and Washington, I think. Yes, he, he went to BYU. But been great. I mean, he's been. And I thought when Cooper Cup came back that his his impact and it did would one game, but it yeah, has. but last last Sunday against Pittsburgh. He was making catches all over the field. I know his when uh, Cubs first came back, Nakua still played well. Then the second game last week, his he didn't do much, and then this week he bounced the, back the, again. The, had the, the, Browns, the Browns have he was never the had, last pick. Browns have never had receivers, so he was damn near Ever. a six. <laughs> it yeah. is really amazing. Ever overall. Odell and Jarvis, they've never had receivers. Odell and Jarvis <laughs> were not, you know. Oh, no, Odell but, wasn't good. Now either. watch this. Yeah, people be. I always tell people this. Yeah. Under Freddie Kitchens, who was notoriously not a good coach, right? Yeah. Fourteen hundred for Chubb on the ground, one thousand for Odell, <laughs> one thousand for Jarvis Landry. That's crazy. What's we got we got now, a guy to get a thousand today. It, it, we be jumping up and down it, doing it, jumping. Reality, gets a thousand all the time. Two guys? Oh no, that that's not yeah. gonna happen. Yeah. Now DPJ was. We still looked at that as a yards off, and we that just goes to the show. The best you. the best wide receiving season by a Browns player, at least since I've been covering the team, Josh was obviously Gould. Josh Gordon. Josh Gordon. Well, that I think it. that's probably that's, the best ever. <laughs> But you're right. In general, the, you talk about like the Browns drafting wide receivers. They, they can't do it forever. Ever. They've gotten it wrong. They've gotten it now wrong. again. We can't write off Cedric Tillman yet. Mary Kay's right. I mean, he's it's a couple of games into his career. And it even is, like to your point, though, it's perplexing that he can't get on the right field. Right. David Bell on. caught a ball. But, he was but a like healthy Nick, scratch. I know. Yeah. That's but like bad. Josh Palmer <laughs> and Nico Collins have both broken out this year. Yeah. But they showed signs at least by last year and year two. For Cedric Tillman, David Bell's almost like David Bell were middle of year he's, two. He's Anthony Schwartz, but a year later. You know, he'll be with the Browns this year, <laughs> yeah. no impact, he's and better. next year he's done. What do you he's mean? better he than had Anthony one of the Sh- biggest fourth down catches on the season. The slower Anthony Schwartz catch, is right. devastating. Isn't that funny? I think David. <laughs> I mean, he's that's, better that's, than Anthony Schwartz, <laughs> but not like Anthony Schwartz was a zero. David Bell's like a point five. one point two. That's fair. I can't. Jamie. I can't argue with that. Yeah. Hey, guys, if you want to bet on David Bell's over-under for yardage against the Seahawks, P.J. Walker, quarterback, you can be my guest. And if you're going to do it, you might as well do it at FanDuel.com slash UCSS. FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is literally no better time to get in on the action than right now. The app is easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads. Player props, over-unders, and much, much more. We showed a ticket earlier today, a nine-part same-game parlor that turned $5 into two seventy-five. That was from Darren Smith. <coughs> you can be the next Darren Smith if you're using FanDuel.com slash UCSS to get in on all the action. Guys, Mary Kay mentioned it real quick. We got 10 minutes to spend on this before we bring in Jay Gruden, but Jerome Ford's out for a week or two. Are you confident the Browns can sustain their level of success in the ground game without Jerome Ford? Is wait, Pierre Strong and Kareem Hunt ready to step up and carry the load? Wait no. a minute. Wait a minute. You're not going to show no love for Earl's parlay? Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, real quick. You got, we we got to like, spread. Literally, we have like seven minutes to do this. So Trying to spread the parlay love out. Right, Earl's looking up. We'll do it at the end. Money out there. Right, Earl's got it. Earl, you got to be quick. We got to run through these. All right, let's go. Let's go to Jerome Ford. We'll get to Earl later. Yeah. No, <laughs> I, I actually don't even really care that much. I mean, not that I don't care. I, I want to see Pierre Strong. I do too. I do this too. guy's yeah. had like uh, 
uh, 30 NFL carries and he's averaging six and a half yards per carry. He gets upfield. I, I like want to see him. I want to get he, give him the ball 15 times he, and see what he's got. He has good vision. If you look at the small sample size that he had when he was with New England, he hits the cutbacks and he actually has some really good balance. I think he runs the ball really well. I don't think it's that big of a drop off between him and Jerome Ford. To be honest with you, I think he better. got drafted before Jerome That's Ford. Right. Did. I, I think so he's, he's better I think than he Ford. is better than Jerome Ford. If this offensive line continues to play and open up gaps, I think he has he'll find them better than Jerome yeah, look, Ford. Did. Even here he's averaging almost five yards a carry and twenty one carries. Jerome Ford he has a tendency to run into his back of his blockers. Yes. He run his pad level is too high. Um, he doesn't see the cutback lane too well. And the thing that he does have, he has some good bursts and he he's shown it with, with the long runs, but inside zone, no, he does not have it. He doesn't see the holes very, very good at all. So I, I'm, I, I'm actually thinking that's not a big loss because Pierre Strong will get the ball down. Yeah, I, I don't know that. Yeah, right, I agree. I don't know that Jerome Ford's any better than Pierre Strong. I, I don't. I don't either. And yeah. Pierre Strong is an enigma to me in a couple of ways. I think did he have like ten carries for hundred yards in New England? Yes. Yep. And they gave so they up after him after one season. Well, I don't I, understand. Something isn't right, and I don't know what it is. But, and I know that Belichick's. Lost his fastball. It seems to have lost his fastball. <laughs> yeah, but when, and his when you're ball. when you're in a situation where he is with this offense, how are you trading a back that's averaging ten yards a carry? Obviously, a very small sample size. Right. But I just I, I to keep bring thinking in Zeke Elliott, there was, must be whoa, something what wrong. What is that supposed to mean? <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I just think there's, you know, is there something we're missing? Is it personality? Is it fit? Is it work ethic? Is I have it, no idea. Is, well, it, I tell know, you what, we're going to find out. Well, we, I haven't heard. We haven't heard anything I haven't heard about anything him. negative about but him. That, but I just, it just makes me wonder, how is a guy averaging 10 yards a carry on small sample size in New England yeah. and now five yards a carry on a small sample size here? And he's a special like, teams player. There's so. got to be more there. Ty, Ty got to can tell you this all day. The only difference between certain guys in the NFL is what? Opportunity. Opportunity. Well, here there's it is. guys, there's guys that are studs. You got Ramondre level. Stevenson and Ezekiel Elliott. He ain't getting there. Okay, well, good. He's going to get it here. There well, it is. Yeah. So but maybe it, New England's it, loss will be our game. It's a tall task. I mean, you're about to go up against a guy who's a nine-time All-Pro at I understand that. that don't miss tackles. So if I mean, he, he makes was, it, it's better than sitting on the bench. He was a fourth-round pick by Belichick last year. I, that's why I'm fourth stunned round he pick. gave up on him. I, like, he didn't give up missing. on him. He traded. Well, we he traded gave a fourth-round pick. Yeah, but he, he, you give up on a player when you trade a player. Yeah, unless you trade. Yeah, I mean, you didn't trade him for a lot. I mean, unless that player is Herschel Walker and you're getting if nine they draft liked picks. Him, if they liked him that much, they wouldn't have signed Ezekiel Elliott. Right. I mean, there's, so yeah, there's, that's there's, true. there's something that we're missing. Let's figure it oh, out. Hold on. There's something that we're missing here. The something that we, we're missing is I think now, from what Mary Kay told me, I, I don't see it happening in this season. It's not going to. This, this You're Sean not Wa- thinking gentleman's punt. No, 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 not punt. We ain't punting nothing. But what, expecting Deshaun Watson – to be yeah. uh, effective this year? No. Well, I told you that ship sailed for me. Yeah, it, After it, watching him Sunday, it, because, it ain't right. Because now he's going to get another MRI. Well, uh, and, and think about it. This even if even it ain't if it, even if it's not torn anymore. Little nagging things like turf toe. Don't bring that up. If you re-aggravate <laughs> turf toe, bring an elephant down. You're done. You're not. You 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 set. <laughs> yeah. She said set back a couple of weeks. He said I'm praying. I pray it ain't nothing worse. Yeah, but we read yesterday what 
the definition of the diagnosis of this injury is. Yeah, we did. It can heal itself yeah. as long as you're not doing any overhead work, well, that's not lifting, right. or throwing. We can't do this, guys. We can't have this every week. Is he going to play? Is he not no, going to play? No, I know. This it's is ridiculous. Awful. The, the Brown messaging, I, I said it to Mary Kay. Four weeks I As long as we're wow. handing out wow. grades, the Browns messaging on this injury is an F. That's way too nice. I, are, I, so I don't know how to go any lower. lower than an I think you, if it's an F, you. Is I it think a 0.00? Yes. You got it a, a I mean, it's been awful. Yes, with pencils up the nose. For, that's for, it. For, for the rest of the organization, you got to go put him on IR. Yes, for I agree. the simple fact yeah. that you can't have these players out here thinking, I got to get ready to train because Deshaun might play, but then if he don't play, I got to be ready for this guy. If P.J. Yeah, Walker right. is starting, yeah. I, I'm supposed to be me, the starter, but at, at 10.30, Deshaun says he's good to go, so now I'm not starting. Like, that's right, too much. You can't have this You're not about week. to play with everybody's there, emotions like that. There's a word in sports that scares the death out of me. I, it's when, when And I don't know if Mary Kay used this word flippantly or if she gave it any thought, but she said entourage twice when talking about because I said camp, and she goes, well, I don't know. She yeah. called it. Uh, well, she you know, compared it to Baker's. She did Baker's entourage, and now yeah, Sean's entourage. I, I, I don't like the word entourage because, to me, it means outside meddlers <coughs> who have a different agenda than everybody oh, in yeah, Berea. We saw that with Baker. We, we saw that with Baker. We, you know, yeah. we, let's face it. You can't think about LeBron without thinking about entourage yeah. or, and what that did to this team here. Yeah, or the word handlers. Hey, that's another <laughs> that's bad a, That's a bad one. And I don't know how she, you know, I don't know if she gave it much thought before she said entourage, but when I asked her about it again, she came back to that word again. Yeah. I hope that there's not his people in Houston saying he's not playing. And and Cleveland saying our doctors oh, say he's fine. I remember, I said he went, when he went to Houston. I, I know said, that was troublesome. I said, oh, he getting in second and third opinion down yeah. there. Like that wasn't he. And and the, and here's the thing, guys. We were going into the season hoping to get great quarterback play. They've got to get adequate quarterback play. And, yes. And the defense, defense has to play great. Yeah, they can't. Then, be you know, otherwise they, they'll win some regular season's games, but you can't win in the playoff. Yeah. We'll find out this year. That's the only hope for the Browns. You're right. Is if we can win in the playoffs with a great defense and adequate. They can't have this quarterback no. play. Adequate. This isn't going to get it done. Go ahead, uh, Mike. Mike, you want to throw it to the Jay Gruden interview? I do. Tomorrow, behind the glass, we're not sure exactly what time, but it will be tomorrow. Full Cavs preview. We're going to have a lot of fun. Myself, Anthony Earl, previewing the Cavs season, which does tip off tomorrow. And Earl, give the people out there a, uh, a parlay for the opening night of the NBA season. All right, so I did a 10-leg parlay. <clears throat> uh, Jay, I sent it to you, man. I, 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 I already know it. you responded to it. I saw it. I got it. LeBron James over six and a half assists. Michael Porter Jr. over six, uh, six plus rebounds. I got Jamal Murray six plus assists. I got Joker eight plus assists. I got Jamal Murray two plus uh, made three pointers. Austin Reeves two plus made three pointers. This is where it gets funky. Kevin Durant over 5.5 assists. Steph Curry to score 25 plus points. Devin Booker to score 25 plus points. And uh, Nurkic to grab eight plus rebounds. I put $10 on it with the ability to win uh, $200. Well, let's, let's hope we're all rich tomorrow. Earl, good luck in that endeavor. And now let's toss it over to Bull, Jason, and Jay Gruden. All right, here we are. Jay Gruden is with us. Jason Lloyd is with me as, as well. Jay Gruden, of course, longtime NFL coach, now uh, taking the points podcast. Jay, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on. This yeah. is a great spot. When you look at the NFL this season, we were talking about this on the show last week with, with Jay. It feels like defense is making a comeback. Do you see it that way, and why do you, are we evolving back now? Is the pendulum swinging back around the other way to where 
it's not just offense, 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 but defenses are figuring out how to stop these spread attacks? Definitely, they're trying to get the rules for the offense, you know, with all the tackling and all that stuff, but defenses are playing better. I think there's a lot of reasons for it. I think the lack of solid quarterback play, you know, across the board is one. Offensive line play is kind of down. And, and if you really look across the league at the wide receiver core for all these teams, uh, there's really not a lot of true playmakers across the board. There's probably 10 to 12 really true number ones. Yeah. But there's really not a lot of great wide receivers for whatever reason. I don't know why that is. But offensive line play, quarterback play, and receiver play is a little bit down right now. Is that cyclical? Just the, the big play making receivers that, I mean, we go through history. There's obviously been a ton of them. Do these things just run in cycles? Yeah, it must. I don't know. I, I can't explain it. Um, you'd think that the receiver position would be the easiest to find, but you can look at a couple of rosters and you're like, who's their best receiver? Right. You yeah, know sure. I mean? They're struggling to get open, and uh, everybody's blaming the quarterbacks and all that stuff. But, you know, you think that you could find a guy that can run a 4 4 40 and pretty good sized kid that can catch, but there's not a lot out there, to be honest with you. Jay, what do you think about the fact that I brought this up, I think it was yesterday or the day before? It seems like. You know, back in the day, guys played a lot in training camp. Guys played a lot in the preseason. As we go on now, and I feel like the last two years, it's really gone extreme. The, the top quarterbacks and a lot of the top skill position players either play very little or not at all. Is that a factor early in the season? A little bit, yes, for sure, especially for the young quarterbacks. They yeah. need to play. And the reps, you know, we always preach, myself and my brother, we use repetition as king for quarterbacks. And it's a lot of these young players. I mean, you have to get reps. You have to see the concepts versus the defense. You have to adjust uh, your thinking, cover two, cover three, cover four, whatever it might be, where you're going with the ball in each concept. And if you don't get those reps, those live reps, it has an impact on your career. Yeah, I'm curious. I, don't, we were, I wasn't going to admit this, but I'm going to do it now because it's important with this question. We're actually recording this before the Sunday game where the, the Browns play this weekend. But, you know, through five games so far, the Browns' defense has been phenomenal. They, they were awful last year on defense. Obviously, they upgraded the talent on the defensive line. Much of the back seven is the same guys from last year. How much of the credit for this defense so far do you give to Jim Schwartz? Because it seems like he's done a magnificent job. A lot. Jim, Jim's Coach Schwartz has always been a great defensive coordinator. He's uh, got a very solid system in place. Guys know where they're supposed to be. They're very detailed. Uh, they're very uh, specific in what they want to do, and they play hard. All his defenses have always played extremely hard, and they play fast, and uh, they're well coached, obviously, and uh, he, he does a great job, and he has talent that can do it, and that's the big thing. There's a yeah, lot of good yeah. coaches that don't have the talent that get fired. I'm one of them. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> But, but he has a talent. He has two premier pass rushers. he got one of the best cover corners in the league. The linebackers can run. Their safeties are physical. So, yeah, he's got the talent, and he's got a great scheme. Can you explain – we go back to Jim Schwartz and the, the Schwartz's scheme. The way it was explained to me was it all starts up front, and he just wants to create chaos up front mm -hmm. with the defensive line, and everything else sort of trickles down off of that. Can you just sort of explain why his scheme fits so well? Well, that's exactly right. He has the players, number one, to create the chaos. He's got two edge players that are good. He, he's always been like a wide nine guy. Those guys jetting up the field and the internal people getting pushed. Uh, sounds simple, but you have to have the guys that do that. Zadarius and, and Miles on the outside are perfect for him to do that. And then you got Tomlinson on the inside plugging up the runs and, and doing all the things that they need to do. And it really frees up the linebackers, you know. Um, and it's very hard for double teams and all that stuff. Tackles are out there, and it's hard for tight ends and, and tackles to double team a defensive end when they're just jetting up the field like crazy. And it impacts the bootleg, the play-action game, because, shoot, you know, usually when you do a play-action pass, play, teams are playing a run. Mm -hmm. Not them. They're, they're always jetting up the field, and they're getting pressure right away, and it's, it's chaotic, like you mentioned. The, Lamar, 
Lamar Jackson is the only one, well, the Ravens are the only team that's had any success against the Browns' defense so far. Now, that was a game where we thought Watson was going to play to the last minute, the last second, it was DTR, and he clearly wasn't ready to play. Uh, do you think there's something to Lamar Jackson's ability to run as, you know, obviously better than any other quarterback that affected the Browns' defense, or was it, is it more coincidence and, you know, the team was expecting Watson to play, so maybe the whole team was affected by that, or is that just an excuse that we would make? No, I think when you play, when you go to DTR, a rookie, that's going to have an impact on yeah. the game, right? I mean, he probably didn't get many reps in training camp or OTAs. I mean, he's getting the third team reps or second team reps, which is very minimal. Yeah. Um, usually when you're getting a quarterback ready to play, they're taking every rep, and he probably got minimal reps. That's one. So that, that offense was majorly impacted, obviously, without Chubb. Uh, but defensively, when you play a quarterback that can run like Lamar, Jalen Hurts, or Josh Allen, it does have slight impact on okay, we, got, we can't be too reckless with our lanes because right. he'll step up and be up and out of there and, and hurt you real bad with his legs, so that could have an impact. We've talked about the possibility of the Browns going after a better veteran backup considering Deshaun Watson has this injury he's dealing with. You know, obviously, P.J. Walker's been in the league. He's played a little bit, but he's not a guy. You, you can't win in the playoffs, I don't think, with him. I, I, you know, there's been some talk about Kirk Cousins, you know, but I, he's got a no-trade clause, so I don't know if that's going to happen. I suggested Andy Dalton. Obviously, you know Andy Dalton. Do you still – is he – like, it's felt like for the last decade you had to have a great quarterback to win a Super Bowl. If the Browns do have this all-time great defense, they got to prove it for a lot longer, maybe they can win with a mid-tier quarterback. Is Andy Dalton still capable of being a mid-tier quarterback? Can I rewind one second? Did yeah. you say Kirk Cousins is a backup? No, no, no. If okay. I did, I didn't mean that. Uh, he just, well, and I, it's an option. Maybe I said meant to say a backup I think, option. I think you meant as a target. As a target for the Browns. Yes, yes, yes. If the if for, you know, if the shot were out for the year or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, what do you still think about Andy? Uh, I love Andy. Andy is a, Andy can win a lot of games for you. And he, and we, I had him for three years, and we won 30 games with him in his first three years as a pro yep. quarterback. He gets them all the right people. He's really smart. And he's a lot more athletic than you give him credit for. Yeah. And I love him. He does have a little bit of a weakness, maybe throwing the ball deep down the field. But uh, with the offense they have here, I think he'd be a perfect fit for a lot. Of he played at Carolina one game and threw for almost 400 yards already. Right. I mean, he's yeah. still got a lot left in the tank. He's smart. He's a great team player. He's a good leader. Uh, he'll never create any kind of uh, controversy whatsoever. He'd be, he'd be a great target if they could get him. Nick Chubb, obviously, that injury was devastating for the Browns. He's one of the best backs. As, as someone who's co you know, coaching on the other side, what, what did you think of Nick Chubb? Love Nick Chubb. I can remember doing, I remember scouting Todd Gurley, right? And Todd Gurley was a great college yeah. player. And I can remember watching film and, and I'd, I'd watch the entire game. They kept putting in this number 27 guy. I go, this, this Todd Gurley's awesome, but who the hell is 27? Yeah. It was Nick Chubb. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he, he's awesome. He's a great guy, too. And, and he, he's a heck of a back. He was in a draft, and we really wanted him in that draft. We ended up getting Darius Geis. He was gone already, but uh, yeah, Darius had some injuries, but Nick's a hell of a player. Just, Miles a couple weeks ago drew a, a delay penalty by shifting from one side to the other. And I forget, what team was it where they sent two? It was against it was, Tennessee. It was Tennessee, where they, they were trying to double-team him, and they literally had to send both blockers to the other side, and they couldn't snap the ball because he wouldn't stop moving. Crazy question, but will we ever get to the point where defensive guys start doing that more and there's motion on the defensive side to try and change up schemes and blitz patterns and you know to try and yeah I, there's only a handful of guys in the league who are that good that would command guys to follow them across the line i get that but i just wonder we see all this motion on the offensive side will we ever get to see that on the defensive side well, some defenses do that they'll shift in from double a's and shift out or shift into a normal front and get into double a's and get into their blitz packages if you line up an empty they'll get to their empty automatic so some teams do that 
Miles wants to get away from the tight end so they don't chip him. So he's trying to get over to the other side away from the tight ends. And they, I mean, Tennessee was kind of stupid. They could have put the tight end fullback and just shifted him last minute. I mean, you know, where's he at? Okay, let me go now. Don't line up over there. That was kind of a ridiculous play. But, yeah, uh, but as far as movement for defenses, yes, they, they, they change their coverages all the time and they try to rotate. That's why it's important for offenses. Uh, and you see a lot of motions and shifts and jet sweep motions because that makes it harder on the defense because they got to know their responsibilities. So a lot of defenses nowadays are more stagnant because everybody's motioning and shifting, and it's hard for them. Okay, where's the passing strength? You know, where's my guy going to be at last minute? So that's tough. Yeah. Do you think coaches like there's so much, so many numbers and analytics involved in the game now? How much do coaches, when they're making a decision to go for it on fourth down, uh, kick a field goal as opposed to trying to go for a touchdown? How, how, how is gut? I mean, gut's still a big part of the game, obviously, even with all the information you have. Are there yeah. coaches that rely too much on the numbers and don't use their gut enough and I, vice versa? I think it should be all about the gut and about your people, their players, your kicker. How, how is he accurate? Can he make the 55-yard field goal? Right. You know, we should know that going into a game. And then the rest of it is it's people related, like who are we going against? You know what? Right. Numbers, analytics are for numbers, right? They're this is a 90-mile-an-hour fastball. This is how fast this guy skates or whatever it is. It's not about people. It's not about coverages, and it's not about fronts. So I don't think analytics should play a part in pro football. Wow. Except for snapper, kicker, holder, because you can tell on those, right? Mm-hmm. But as far as, hey, you should go for it on fourth and one at the 40-yard line because the numbers say so. Well, I have a rookie center playing against the best nose guard in pro sure. football. Right. It, it's not the numbers. It's about the people in front of you, you know? Hmm. It's fair. I mean, Jalen Hurts, the tush push, yeah. is a lot more, it's easier to get fourth and one sure. than Kirk Cousins' tush push. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not to mention he's got tra- uh, Jason Kelsey in yeah, front of exactly one of the best right. centers. Yeah. So it's, it's more. Do you have a problem with that play? I, people are whining about it. I'm like, well, stop him. Find a way to stop him. Snake, quarterback Snake's been in I don't know. I, it seems to be a big hubbub right now in the league. I don't get it. I mean, you Bunch saw, uh, who was it? Dallas tried it last week? Yeah. Against the Chargers? Yeah. Ejected. Yeah. 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 It, yeah. The, the Browns don't, they use a tight end when they have to sneak it now with Harrison Bryant. Yeah. They don't even use Deshaun. A lot Deshaun. of teams motion the tight end and take the snap. I want to do that at Washington, but I always scared if I did that, but we'd fumble the snap and I'd never forgive myself. <laughs> <laughs> Are there coaches, by the way, you know, like, if you if you make a, a decision on fourth down, kicking all that stuff, and then if, if it blows up in your face, even if it was probably the right call, but it didn't go well, you know, and then you're going to be criticized by the fans, you're going to be criticized by the media. Are there coaches... That care about that stuff because to me you can't be, but there probably are some coaches that oh, yeah, are affected by that stuff. You definitely care about it because it has an impact in the success of the game. You know your decisions yeah. that you make; those are really the most important decisions. The decisions as far as personnel and and the coaches and all that stuff are done, but the decisions that you have to make as a head coach on game day are those: kick right. it or go for it. You yeah, know, uh, those are the tough decisions. Those are the ones you got to live with and. Unfortunately, you're not always going to be right. You just have to go with your gut, and you have to trust your team. And if it does fail, then you have to trust your defense to get the ball back or you, whatever it might be. You said something a minute ago made me think of this. When it comes to trick plays, how do you, we have a head coach here who loves trick plays. How do you design them? How do you come up with them? And what's your? do you have like an all-time favorite trick play that you ever ran? Wow. We had one that we didn't call, which it was so beautiful in practice. I didn't call it, though. Uh, anyway, trick plays, I usually like to have at least one trick play in the game plan. I usually put it in on Friday, you know, because you do your meat and potatoes of your offense on, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then Friday is red zone day. So you put it in on, on red zone day, and then you practice it on Saturday during the walkthrough and just get it going. 
but we had a play where the quarterback was going to roll out to the right, and Trent Williams was going to really kick back really deep. We're going to throw a screen to Trent Williams. <laughs> and it looks so Trent's such a good athlete. Yeah. We ran it in practice on Friday, and I mean, he looked like uh, Gail Sayer, Sayer running down a field for a tackle. <laughs> and we were playing Philadelphia. We got ready to call it, and, yeah. and we were up by like 10 points at the time. Yeah. And Trent waved me off. He said, don't call it. <laughs> really? <I was> like, <laughs> yeah. Mike, I know you got a couple questions, but I want to ask you this real quick. Uh, what football movie or television show have you seen that is closest to real football? Little Giants. Uh, you know, <laughs> sometimes, you know, sometimes... There was games when I coached, we couldn't get yeah. first down, and we got a yard. Hey, we got a yard. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great movie. Uh, but the closest one, yeah. you know, I, I don't know, probably. You know what movie was pretty good? Sneaky was The Replacements. That's a good one. That was yeah. a good one. Because yeah, yeah. I remember when The Replacements actually happened, a buddy of mine, Ed Rupert, was a quarterback for the uh, Washington Redskins, actually. I went to college with him. Yeah. And he told stories about it. It was kind of similar to that. That's was that awesome. the Al Pacino and Keanu Reeves one? No, Keanu Reeves Keanu and Reeves. Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman that's was the right. coach. That's yeah, right. yeah, yeah, that's right. Go ahead, Mikey. Well, Coach, thanks again for uh, taking some time to hang out with us today. You can find Coach, his son JJ, and Grant Pusker on the Taking the Points Pod wherever you find your podcast. Coach, I have a couple questions. First, Bill Belichick always talked about Larry Fitzgerald in the highest of lights. When you were scouting opposing teams, was there one player who consistently kind of popped off the screen as a guy you're like? Damn, that dude's way better than he gets credit for. Way better than he gets credit for or just really good? There's been a lot of guys. Like, I can remember when I first got in the league as a coordinator with the Cincinnati Bengals. I know you guys don't like them. <laughs> uh, but it, it, it was fun because I got to coach against uh, Baltimore Ravens and Ray Lewis and Ed Reed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Those two wow. guys were sick. And then, then you'd go the next week and you're playing Troy Palomalu. Those guys right. are sick, but... Yeah, I mean, there's it's, it's so many great defenses in this AFC North. It's it's crazy, but those guys really, they make it hard to sleep. Yeah, like, yeah. how the hell are we going to get a yard? Yeah. All right, hey, next we up, We got folks. a yard. <laughs> <laughs> Most dominant player yeah. I ever coached against was uh, still at Cincinnati was J.J. Watt. Uh, we got two more fun ones to end here, Coach. How do you, when you guys are coming up with names of plays, I heard Kyle Shanahan go over one of his play calls, and it was like 38 words long. When you're coming up with the play name to give to the quarterback, how in the world do you guys come up with a 15-word cadence that they're supposed to remember and know what it's supposed it to be? It seems like it's not necessary. To call well, it really it is if you think about it, right? You think about the initial, first of all, the personnel grouping. Then you got to think about the formation, the strength of the formation, so right, and then the, where you got to put the receivers, bunch right, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Then if you want any motion or shift, then if you want a fly motion, whatever that is, you got to talk about the pass protection, right? That's got to sure. be in there. you got to talk about the routes. Right, mm -hmm. you got to do the uh, cadence and some of the routes. You can't just say zap. You know, you got to tag certain players. Like at Cincinnati, I had to tag like four different guys because I was afraid they'd forget the play, so I just tagged them. <laughs> Z in, X go, Y flat. <laughs> How many plays are on your call sheet for a game? Like everyone yeah, makes fun a... of Kevin Stefanski's Denny's menu, but when you go, everybody's into a game, got those big ones. But when you yeah. go into a game on Sunday. Are you only running things that you worked on that week? Could you go back three weeks ago and pull something, or will the guys be unprepared for it? And how many calls really are you going off of? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, they're personnel group-related, situation-related, and there's a lot. You know, like, so you got your 11 personnel, 12 personnel, 13 personnel, 21 mm -hmm. personnel, whatever it is, your personnel groupings plays, and then you got your situational plays, third and two to five, third and six to eight. 
short yardage, goal line, red zone, plus 20 in, plus 15, plus 10, plus 5. So they're category, categorized like that. Your play action, your boots, your nakeds. Then you got your run list, you know, and, and, and they're, they're quite a lot. Yeah. So what happens is, like, when I was at Washington, you know, I'd have some two tight end plays and three tight end plays in the game plan. I'd have yeah. quite a few plays in there because that was our best set. If you lose one of those guys, then you got to go to more 11 personnel plays and you got to have a big list for that. So Jeez. that's kind of – it's personnel-related, situation-related, and then obviously you have your two-minute and all that stuff. Is There's it, a lot. Is it 50? Are there 50 oh, players? Oh, no. I, was a, I carry like 120. 120. Really? Damn. Yeah. And, and players know all of them? They better, yeah. Especially <laughs> well, not only you've been repping in camp, and some yeah. of them are repetition from, you know, four verticals. You could have three different ways or four different ways to run four verticals. Yeah. You know what I mean? Out of bunch, Z motion, you know, whatever the formation might be. So one play – all go, which we all know, yeah. could be in there three different times out of different formations and personnel. Why do teams have so much success with the scripted plays and then it can unravel from there? Sometimes teams are a little more creative and those are the, those are the feature plays they really worked on, had success with all week in practice. And a lot of defenses are a little more conservative early in the game because they're worried about that crazy shifting and all that stuff. And then once the game, after the first one or two or three series settles in, mm-hmm. everybody becomes more to their identity, yeah. and defenses kind of feel more comfortable. Uh, I remember Bill Belichick said he always used to try to weather the storm for the first 12 to 15 plays, and then after that, defenses would settle in and play a lot better. Huh. All the young offensive coaches in the league all call their own plays, I mean, almost without exception. Do you think that's a good idea? Like, it's been a, every time the Browns have a bad offensive game, the fans scream, he should stop calling plays, let his offensive coordinator call the plays. What's your thoughts on that? Well, I think you got the job for a reason because you're a good play caller. Right. And you might as well do to your, your strength, what your strength is. So, yeah, I think they should call their own plays. What are they going to do? Just walk around the sideline like <laughs> Pete Carroll and chew gum? I mean, you got, you got to be involved in the offense because that's what they were hired to do. Right. I mean, certain coaches are great, like Pete Carroll and Mike Tomlin. These guys are great motivators and great coaches. Don't sure. get me wrong. But, and that's what they're hired to do. But guys like Stefanski and McVay and uh, Shanahan – they are there because they have good offensive minds, not because right. they run football teams, because they play extremely well. Thanks again. Check out Coach Gruden, JJ, and Grant on the Taking the Points pod. As I was doing research for this coach, I had no idea, and I bet you Bull and Jay don't know, that you're an Arena Football League Hall of Famer, a two-time Arena League champion. You threw 400 touchdown passes in the arena. No? Six-time arena champion. Come on, get it right. Oh, Let's go. Wikipedia. Four, times, four times a player, two times a coach. Wikipedia. Oh, okay, that's it. You threw 400 touchdowns, two MVPs, a 104.72 passer rating. Coach, which quarterback in the NFL most resembles your playing style back in the arena? Mm. Oh, Joe Montana. I, 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 <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. And I was as good as Joe Montana. My dad coached at Notre Dame, and, yeah. and my dad was partly responsible for them getting Joe Montana. So I kind of emulated my game after my footwork, oh, wow. everything. Uh-huh. I was never, obviously, as good as Joe Montana, but I was the Joe Montana of the arena football. There you go. You Jay, we appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining oh, us. Thanks for having thanks, me. It was Jay. fun. Thank you. All right, Mikey, back to you. Thanks, Bull, and thanks again to Jay Gruden. If you're looking for a job with career advancement and great benefits, well, PCC Airflow is the leading manufacturer in Northeast Ohio. All locations of PCC Airflow in Eastlake, Menor, Wycliffe, and Minerva are hiring for all positions starting at $18 and up. Plus, full benefit packages, paid time off, and a signing bonus. You can apply online at precast.com slash careers to learn more. We're going to read some super chats here to close it out. The first one comes from James Cosby. 
He says, you guys need to get Stefanski and Barry on the show. We would love open invite to Stefanski or Barry, whatever you want. You're <laughs> more happen. than welcome to come on. <laughs> Reggie Glover says, if the Browns don't teach slash coach DTR to be game ready, do you see it as a waste of a draft pick? Yes. Uh, yes, so far that has been. <laughs> Vernell Jackson says, y'all used my entire super chat as a talking point. I love it. Mama, I made it. Thanks, Jay. TB12, let's go. <laughs> DB Dog 21 says, Tyvis, you're right about Miles. If he jumps off sides, just keep going and either blow up the quarterback or force the refs to blow the play dead with an unabated pass to the quarterback. Hyper Frosty said, any updates on the Victory Monday stuff? We're uh, juggling some ideas, Hyper. We will get back to you as soon as we come to a conclusion. Kenneth Yabo says, what about Taylor Heineke? Uh, the like Falcons that. are still in contention. We actually just talked about that. Uh, Desmond Ritter might get benched, and he might take over their starting job. I doubt they would be looking to trade a quarterback in that world. we got two more. Daryl says, UCSS rocks. The show is being talked about all over Cleveland. Go Browns. Go Cavs. Love you guys. Yeah. We appreciate it from Daryl. And Double K Creative said, I just read an article on possible names being traded. Ryan Tannehill was listed. Thoughts on Tannehill we mentioned earlier. He's His hurt, cap by hit. the way. Is just too high. Yeah, he's not he's also twenty five million. So yeah. and Tannehill doesn't yeah. know who he is yet either. Like he's a backup. He should be a backup now. He doesn't know that he's yet. He's a former wide receiver. Not interested. Yeah, we'll pass. Boy, you have a special announcement. You want I to do. I want to say happy birthday. Uh, happy birthday. Happy anniversary to my beautiful bride, Liz. Nice. Ha- we're going out for dinner tonight. We're trying. We went out for breakfast this morning. We're going out for dinner to a new barbecue spot in uh, right on the Lakewood Cleveland border that I'm looking forward to trying. Heard good things about it. I have not been able to find good barbecue in Cleveland. That's the one thing missing from my Cleveland resume. What? What's the restaurant? Well, I love barbecue. Don't hold it until Something Wilson's. Uh, oh, uh, uh, Smokey Wilson's. Sweet Pork Wilson's. Sweet pork. <laughs> Wouldn't it be? It looks year, really good. What year I like is the this anniversary? It's the 13th anniversary. Man, what if, what 10 if, years behind. What if me and uh, Tyvis came and crashed a party and just sat at your table? Come, come and join us. You guys are welcome. That <laughs> wife would not mine. So it's 13 years. Could you imagine being married three times as long? Uh, I mean, I can, but yeah. it's, that's a lot. Yeah. 39. Well, you've been married 39 years? 37. You've been that's married 37 time. years? You got married young. That's right. What did you... Oh, you said 25, right? No. I got married right uh, about six months after I graduated college. 24. Are you serious? 22. Yeah. Good for you, Jay. Hey, well, I was in a situation where I got my first job and I was going to move away to Kentucky. And we had dated just a short period of time. And it was either like, hey, man, it, it, this is the one. I was, that sounds very engaged, familiar to mine. An engagement <laughs> I broke I had off. To go. An engagement I, I broke off because that one. I was like, oh, we graduated, you graduated? Yeah, that's it. My My in-laws was me and my my now wife, we got together in November. Um, After that season, I was going to go prepare for the draft in January. So you either had to say goodbye or? Yeah. All right. (laughs) Thanks, guys, for hijacking my anniversary. Sorry. Uh, Congratulations. Happy anniversary, sweetie. (laughs) We'll see you soon. Hey, you know what? You got more years than me. I just got married last week. Shout out to, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> happy anniversary, though. In thank, all seriousness, happy anniversary. You. Yes. Thank and you. here's, here's to uh, 24 yeah. more. To My get in-laws have been married over 50 years. Wow. Yeah, mine too. I'll tell a funny story on overtime, by the way, real quick, about uh, something that happened when I was supervising kids at my son's show yesterday. <laughs> uh, uh, funny oh, story. No. <laughs> All right, we'll do that. We're also in overtime. We're going to talk about the Ohio State, or I mean the Michigan uh, cheating Cheaters. allegations. 
This is getting real serious. The cheaters. Like, this is a bad. Real serious. And is Conor, Conor Stallions the guy's real name or is that his porn name? Nah, I think that's his real name. That's what he's going with anyhow. I mean, that's Conor a porn star name. We'll see you Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.